Well, if I have not met you before, my name is Grant. I'm one of the teaching pastors here. I'm just a little fired up, so get ready, all right? We've had an awesome weekend so far. I want to say hello to everybody in the overflow area. We are full, and so we've got people in the overflow in that area, and we welcome you as well. Thank you for being a part of our Easter Christ the King. A couple of very brief announcements as we get started. First of all, Alpha begins one week from tomorrow night. If you have questions about Christianity or you're just beginning your journey with Jesus, Alpha is the place where you can go and in a non-threatening environment have any questions that you have answered. Alpha is really dinner in a movie. That's really what it is. And we'd love to treat you to dinner and then invite you to stay for the groups afterwards as we talk about Jesus and welcome you to be a part of that. As well, next weekend, we're going to be baptizing in every single service next weekend. If you would like to be baptized, we're going to invite you to go to the connection point after the service. Just register so that we know for sure how many people are coming so we can orchestrate the services around you. As we get started this morning, if you could do a cell phone check for me, that will keep you from being uh, severely embarrassed later on. At a a, a strategic moment as well. Parents, we want you to know in the overflow room, there is an area there for children. And so if your young kids become a distraction, if you could please move to the family room, we would certainly, certainly appreciate that. I love a good before and after picture. There's just something about, about transformation that just seems to touch me in the deepest part of my core. I mean, it's something as simple as this. Here's a picture, a before picture of a room that looks pretty ugly. And then an interior designer got a hold of it and they transformed it into this after picture. It's just kind of cool to see what a person can do. This is a before picture of me. And uh, I rocked a mullet. Yes, I did. But it was weird because after I came to CTK and actually cut my hair off, there was this weird reverse Samson thing because here's an after picture of me that they found and they dug up. And uh, in fo- Yeah, thank you. Appreciate that. Isn't that, that's just, I love Photoshop. Okay, all right. So it's just fun. I mean, some transformations are fun. Some of them make us feel good. Some before and after pictures are very sobering. Here's a before picture of a man who led our country for eight years. This is a picture of him before he served. Here he is a picture just eight years later. And we see the toll, the leadership and the weight and stress and what it does to a human being. This is a before picture of a backyard. It looked beautiful and serene. And then Hurricane Katrina arrived. This is a picture of the same backyard 24 hours later. Some before and after pictures are beautiful. Some are heartbreaking. This Easter weekend, I want to invite you to see a before and after picture of one of my favorite guys in the entire Bible, a man by the name of Peter. Peter struggled his whole life. He was a fisherman called out of his occupation to follow Jesus Christ. And I think it would be fair to say that if I brought a cardboard sign out for Peter and I just handed it to him, I don't think it would be wrong to write the word failure on that sign. The truth is, Peter seemed to get it wrong more than he got it right. He struggled with faith and boundaries. And and just like me, his mouth kept getting him in trouble over and over and over again. In spite of his best efforts, Peter kept stepping across the wrong lines. This series is called Crossing the Line. We ran a red line from the base of the cross right through the center of our worship center. Now it extends all the way through the commons because we believe that every person in this room has to make a decision of some point. 
The line for us is whether you will accept Jesus Christ and cross the line or whether you will reject Jesus Christ and not cross the line. Every one of us in this room right now are on one side or the other of that line. And we're going to walk with Jesus today, or we're going to walk with Peter today as he, as he struggles with this line and has a hard time trying to figure out just exactly what side he's on. If you'd like to follow along in your outline, the scriptures are there. Better yet, if you can follow along in your Bible, that would be great. Some of the scriptures will be on the screen. Let's start with the first blank in your outline. This is a true statement about Peter, that Peter identifies the line. In Matthew 16, scripture says this, when Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the son of man is? And they replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you? He asked, who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. That is a tough question for people today because Jesus is still asking it. Who do you say that I am? Some people think Jesus was just a great moral teacher. Other people think he was just a really solid, moral, upright, upstanding kind of a citizen. Other people believe that he seemed to have a deeper connection with God. But to say that he's the son of God, to say that he's God the son, well, for some people, that's just a little bit too far over their line. The truth is, in Scripture, Jesus claimed to be God. Jesus did miracles to substantiate that claim. Jesus drew a line in the sand with regards to his identity, and we have to struggle and answer that question for ourselves. I can't answer it for you, but I will answer it for me. I believe that Jesus Christ was exactly who he said he was. And I am not ashamed to sit here week after week after week and to talk about the reality of who Jesus is. I believe that Jesus was God, and at this point in his life, Peter agreed with me. That's a good before shot of Peter, but then some struggles begin. The second blank in your outline is, describes that Peter crosses the wrong line. Matthew 16, scripture goes on and says this, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, teachers of the law, that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside, began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Okay, just so we're perfectly clear, anytime that Jesus calls you Satan, that is not good, okay? You're going in the wrong direction. Peter stumbles across a line that Jesus has chosen to cross. See, Jesus chose to die on a cross and to suffer unspeakable pain so that we could be saved. Jesus chose to take our sin on his sinless life so that we didn't have to be punished for eternity. Jesus chose to die so that we didn't have to die in our own sin. Jesus took our penalty so that every single one of us had the opportunity to be set free. But Peter doesn't like it. So he gets in the face of God and he says, look, you don't have to die. There'll be another way. And Jesus responds, Peter, I do have to die. I love them so much that I'm going to take their sin on my life so that they can be saved and cross the line. 
You'd think that Peter would get it at that point, but he doesn't. In fact, the next blank describes what happens. Peter actually starts to struggle with the line. In Matthew 16, Jesus says again, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for me will find it. What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world and yet forfeits his soul? The Bible doesn't tell us what Peter's thinking, but I can just, in his head, I can just see him going, okay, so just a second. I've got to deny myself. I've got to knock myself down on the priority scale. Are you kidding me? I mean, I'm supposed to pick up a cross? What cross? I'm supposed to do it every single day? I mean, how am I supposed to live my life if I lose my life? I mean, how in the world am I supposed to deal with that? And we have the same struggles that Peter had. Peter struggles. And we struggle when we find out that Jesus calls us to completely surrender every part of our life. That he wants us to lay down our past, our present, our future. That he wants all of the failure and all of the so-called victories. That Jesus wants to literally take your most broken moments and redeem them and change them. And use them to touch other people. Peter struggles and what happens next is that he steps away from the line. Scripture says that Jesus has been arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. He goes to the garden to ask a question of his heavenly father. His question is, God, is there any other way that we can go about this? Is there any other way for sin to be covered? I mean, is there any way that this cup of sin can be taken away? And God the Father, loving his son, says, no, there isn't. You have to pay the price, Jesus. You have to do all of it. The answer is no. In a matter of moments, Jesus' friends abandon him. He's on trial for his life. Peter runs for his life. And scripture tells us in Matthew 26 what happens. The Bible says, now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said, but Peter denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Peter denies his relationship with Jesus both in word and in action. Peter crosses a line. And I believe in that moment, Peter was convinced that because he'd crossed that line of failure, that there was no going back for him. While Peter's denying, Jesus is dying and crossing another line. It's the line that we celebrate on Good Friday and Easter. We need to remember at this point in history, Jesus has been whipped and flogged, beaten, spit upon and tortured. And in Luke 23, it shows us how Jesus crossed the line of death. Scripture says, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he had said this, he breathed his last. He died fully and completely. He was dead, not breathing, no heartbeat, completely dead. Scripture says he died and for three days it appears that Jesus has crossed the line from which there is no return. But the good news of Easter is this. Jesus died on Friday, but it was only Friday. Sunday was just starting to appear on the horizon. 
On Easter Sunday morning, friends of Jesus go to the tomb and sitting on the top of a rock where Jesus was buried is an angel and he has a very encouraging message to everybody that showed up for Easter this morning. The Bible says this, the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. (laughs) Here it comes, the best line in the whole Bible. He is not here, he has risen. Just as he said, come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly, tell his disciples. He is risen from the dead. He's going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid and yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. And they came to him, clasped his feet, worshipped him. And then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. On Good Friday, Jesus crosses the line from life to death. On Easter Sunday morning, he crosses the line from death to life. And in that moment, everything changes. Suddenly there's a way for man to have a relationship with God. Suddenly sins can be forgiven. Suddenly there's forgiveness for the past and hope for the future. Suddenly everything has changed because of one simple fact. Jesus is alive. Can you imagine how Peter felt when he heard the news that Jesus was alive? I mean, I just pictured it in my head. I can hear him going, oh, yes. Oh, no. You know what's cool? Jesus turns failures into friends. You see, if you read the rest of the story, Jesus meets with Peter and he forgives Peter and he reinstates Peter and he transforms Peter. Do you know how I know that? I know that because just a few weeks later, the fisherman who was a failure crosses the line. Peter crosses the line and boldly in front of thousands in Jerusalem, this failure of a man stands to his feet and in front of thousands says this from Acts chapter two. Then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice and said, men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited of God by God to you by miracles, wonders and signs, which God did among you through him as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. Peter says it. You can think I'm a fool if you want to. Jesus is alive. Jesus changed me. We killed him, but he lives to forgive. And Peter suddenly exchanges his sign. It doesn't read failure anymore. Suddenly, Peter is a bold friend of the Most High God. That's what God does. He transforms broken failures into dear friends. You know, I've uh, told my story here at Christ the King maybe too many times. This is me. For the first section of my life, 
so insecure that I learned how to tell stories to get people to like me. Who would have thought that God would take an insecure liar and hand him a microphone and transform him into a secure follower of Christ? Who would think that God could take a punk kid and put him in charge of a church of all things and say, preach the truth. No more lies, Grant. Well, guess what? The same God who transformed Peter, he transformed me. And if you think I'm the only one that God's been working on at Christ the King this past year, you have no idea. Because I'm going to show you over the next couple of minutes some of the very best work that Jesus has been doing in transforming lives. You better put your seatbelt on because this is unbelievably awesome. And all of the praise goes to Jesus who is alive. Here we go. seated for a moment. The people standing behind me all have one thing in common, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus changed them. Jesus transformed them. All of their stories are true. And Jesus reached in, took a before picture, and then he went to work and this is the miracle that God has created. And because of the transformation that God has done in my life and theirs, I can't let an Easter go by without giving an opportunity for you to meet the same Jesus that they've met. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, that you will be saved. Maybe you're here today and you didn't come planning on making any decisions, but what you know is the sign that you honestly carry is not the one that you want to carry for the rest of your life. I only know one way to fix that. That's for you to give your heart to Jesus today. So in a few moments, we're going to bow our heads and we're going to pray. It's going to get really quiet in here. And if you're here today on this Easter weekend, today's the day that you're going to cross the line and make a decision of faith. I'm going to invite you to pray this prayer along with me. Deep in the recesses of your soul. Would everyone please bow their heads as we pray? nobody moving around no distractions happening if you're here today and you know there's something missing in your life and you want to be transformed I would love for you to pray this prayer with me in your heart Jesus I know that I've sinned I've lived my life for myself I ask you to forgive me for that I believe you died on the cross for me to save me. I believe you did what I could not do for myself. So I come to you now 
And I cross the line giving you total control of my life. God, I know I don't deserve a second chance. But would you help me to live every day in a way that pleases you? I thank you that I will spend eternity every head bowed, every eye closed. I'd never do anything to embarrass you, Christ the King. But if you're here today, maybe it was one of the signs that touched you. Maybe it was the life of Peter that touched you when he crossed the line and embraced Jesus as his Lord and Savior. I want you to know that if you made that decision, that I believe God is writing a brand new future for you right now. And I would just love to know about your decision so that I can pray for you this week. So if you made the decision to give your heart to Jesus Christ this morning, you prayed that prayer and you meant it, would you just slip your hand up in the air so that I can see it? Just stick it up right now. God bless you. God bless you and you. God bless you and down here in the front. And God bless you. God bless both of you, young ladies. God bless both of you. God bless you. God bless you all the way in the back. I can see your hand way back there. God bless you way over on the far side. God bless you. God bless all of you up here in this front section. God, thank you for courageous people who stepped across the line of faith today. Thank you for forgiving them just like you forgave me. If you touch them right now with how much they are loved by you, forgiven by you and saved by you, God, we give this moment to you. In Jesus' name, I'm going to ask everyone very quietly, would you please stand to your feet right now? When I was about 17 years old, a sweaty preacher with an old beat up Bible just laid it on the line for me. And I thought I'd screwed up my life so bad that there was no going back. God touched me. And I made a decision. The problem with my decision was this. I kind of stuck it real close and kept it kind of private. I wish I'd had the courage that day to step over the line, not only spiritually, but physically, to make a statement. I'm going to do this for Jesus. I said that I would never do anything to embarrass you, and I mean that. But if you're here this morning and you raised your hand, in a few moments, I'm going to ask you to do something crazy bold and crazy courageous. You see, there's a line right in front of your chair. And in a moment, I'm going to ask you to step over top of that line simply because Jesus stepped over the line for you. And I'm going to ask you to get out of your chair and come and meet me right down here. And I'm going to tell you exactly what's going to happen. If you accepted Christ and you come to the front of the church, you're going to stand here with me just for a second. And Pastor Felix 
is going to take the group and we're going to go to the meeting place because we'd like to get to know your name. We'd love to pray with you and we just want to give you a Bible. It's as simple as that. I promise you, nobody's going to do anything weird. Nothing. But here's the bottom line. I've been sitting up here for 27 minutes by myself. It's scary sometimes. And I want to give you an opportunity to just come to the front so that I can be the first to say welcome to the family. It's as simple as that. So if you made that decision, this is crazy, bold, and courageous, but people have been doing it all week long. I'm going to ask you right now, don't think about it, just do it. Step out of your chair and come and meet me right down here. If you raised your hand, I'm going to ask you to step out and come right here. If you're in the overflow, you're going to go see Pastor Derek. That's who's there. You guys just come right on here. Come on, church. We're not done yet. Come on, family. Awesome. Awesome. God bless you guys. You're going to head that way. God's not done, is he? It's all because of the cross. That's why transformation happens. If one of your family members came forward, you're going to be able to meet them in the comments in about 10 minutes. What we need to know, church, is this. That's our family. Those are our brothers and sisters, and we have a responsibility to love them and disciple them and walk along with them as they grow and mature in Jesus. What a privilege to see God work. Wow. And you have to go home and I get to do it one more time. (laughs) It's awesome. Would you be seated for just one moment as we bring this service to conclusion? Because we're going to bring this Easter service to conclusion by giving back to God our tithes and our offerings. And I know some of you are visiting today and you're like, ah, there it is. I knew it. 
They knew he was going to do it sooner or later. You had to bring money into it. Well, I'm going to say to you what I say to our visitors and guests every week. If you're a guest at Christ the King in this next couple minutes, when that offering bucket comes along, would you do me a huge personal favor? Would you just let it go by? Because we don't want anything from you at all. Thank you for trusting us with an hour of your weekend. Thank you for blessing us with your presence here today. We hope you'll come back next weekend when we baptize a whole bunch of people and just talk about how good Jesus has been. So if you're a guest, you're just going to let that slide on by. If this is your opportunity as a regular attender of Christ the King, I'm going to tell you what this is. This is just us crossing the line and putting Jesus first financially. That's all it is. The ushers are going to start in the back, work their way towards the front. And when the offering passes you by, I'm going to ask you to stand up and lift your voice with the big Texan and his guitar and sing. Normally we dismiss, but we're not going to. I'm going to ask you to stay in your seat because I'm going to come back up. I've got one last sentence to say. And then we'll be dismissed. So ushers, if you'll start at the back and do your thing. Sam, do your thing. The heavens declare the glory first-time guest, we have a free gift for you at the Connection Point, and we invite you to go there, just a little memento of being with us at Christ the King on this Easter. And as we close today, I would like to pronounce a blessing over you on this Easter weekend.
So if you feel comfortable, if you'll stretch a hand, not towards me, but towards the cross, would you receive this? Christ the King, in the name of Jesus, our living Savior, who turns liars into preachers, drug dealers into pastors, prisoners into proclaimers of truth, who restores broken marriages and heals broken hearts. May his peace rule in your hearts and your minds on this Easter resurrection day because he truly is alive. Amen and amen. God bless you, Christ the King. Happy Easter.